Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of a humanities-based practice of healthcare. Thanks so much for joining. Today, we're listening to excerpts from Illness as Metaphor by Susan Sontag, a writer, intellectual, and activist. Illness as Metaphor by Susan Sontag Illness is the night side of life, a more onerous citizenship. Everyone who is born holds dual citizenship, in the kingdom of the well and in the kingdom of the sick. Although we all prefer to use only the good passport, sooner or later, each of us is obliged, at least for a spell, to identify ourselves as citizens of that other place. I want to describe not what it is really like to immigrate to the kingdom of the ill and live there, but the punitive or sentimental fantasies concocted about that situation. Not real geography, but stereotypes of national character. My subject is not physical illness itself, but the uses of illness as a figure or metaphor. My point is that illness is not a metaphor, and that the most truthful way of regarding illness and the healthiest way of being ill, is one most purified of, most resistant to, metaphorical thinking. Yet, it is hardly possible to take up one's residence in the kingdom of the ill, unprejudiced by the lurid metaphors with which it has been landscaped. It is towards an elucidation of those metaphors, and a liberation from them, that I dedicate this inquiry. Some thoughts on the essay. I wanted to read the preface of Sontag's Illness as Metaphor, first and foremost, because her images are so rich. I also wanted to discuss her essay because it is a classic in the health humanities canon, and it helped shift the perspective on illness in the late 21st century, with increasing transparency and greater recognition of the social myths around illness. The concluding line of the preface declares the thesis of the essay. It is toward an elucidation of those metaphors and a liberation from them that I dedicate this inquiry. She goes on to explore the myths of cancer and tuberculosis, arguing that these two illnesses are particularly rich with metaphor as they were both historically poorly understood and incurable. Her argument gathers support from literature, letters from famous writers, news articles, and a few scientific studies. In the absence of clear etiologies, she argues that tuberculosis was attributed to repressed desire, while cancer was attributed to repressed anger. These hidden passions were thought to be manifested in the body with their respective illnesses. She argues that the psychologizing of illness was much more harmful to patients than the blame from syphilis, which was known to be sexually transmitted. Whereas with syphilis, one's behavior was culpable, with cancer and TB, the patient's personality was at fault. Despite their many similarities, the myths of death from these two illnesses were quite different. Death from tuberculosis was inaccurately romanticized and was seen as the artist illness. 
She cites many characters in literature that grew more spiritual as they were consumed by the bacteria and died peacefully and painlessly. Sontag contends that the cult of thinness embodied by emaciated models comes from the reverence for the cachexia of patients with tuberculosis. In stark contrast, dying from cancer was felt to be obscene and excruciating, so it was denied and hidden, which led to delayed and overly cautious treatments. The contrast between these metaphors comes in part because of the differences in treatment. Patients with tuberculosis were sent to exotic locations to rest with ample opportunity to dedicate oneself to personal endeavors, including art. This was similar to how, as we heard in episode 14, Elizabeth Barrett Browning's chronic illness freed her from the social responsibilities of managing a Victorian upper-class household, which allowed her to devote herself to poetry. On the other hand, the surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy for cancer are quite prone to war metaphors. Additionally, tuberculosis commonly affects the lungs, which were seen as a spiritual organ, while cancer more often affects quote-unquote shameful organs, such as the breasts, prostate, and intestines. Sontag concludes the essay arguing that the harmful metaphors of cancer are reflections of larger social ills. As she puts it, our views about cancer and the metaphors we have imposed on it are so much a vehicle for the large insufficiencies of this culture. For our shallow attitude toward death, for our anxieties about feeling, for our reckless and provident responses to our real, quote-unquote, problems of growth, for our inability to construct an advanced industrial society that properly regulates consumption, and for our justified fears of the increasingly violent course of history. She then examines the use of diseases that become metaphors in non-medical contexts, especially in the political arena. For example, you avoid something like the plague, and many political powers have labeled their enemies as social cancers with the need for radical treatments. She insists that nothing is more punitive than to give a disease a meaning, that meaning being invariably a moralistic one. And she goes on, the people who have the real disease are also hardly helped by hearing their disease's name constantly being dropped as the epitome of evil. The importance of cancer and tuberculosis was quite personal for Sontag, since she wrote the essay after receiving treatments for breast cancer, and her father had died of tuberculosis when she was a child. Her cancer was locally advanced, and after weighing several medical opinions, she received a fairly aggressive course of treatment. And against all odds for the time, her therapy proved curative. Like all seminal works, Illness as Metaphor has no lack of criticism, which aims at the essay's unsystematic approach, its overly optimistic hope that scientific advancements would eliminate metaphors of illness, and its unwillingness to acknowledge the benefits of certain metaphors for meaning-making. Nevertheless, Sontag's work has deeply impacted healthcare. It is now almost unthinkable to withhold a patient's life-limiting diagnosis. Many times, I have cared for Hispanic and Chinese patients whose families do not want the clinicians to disclose a newly uh, diagnosed cancer. 
and it always creates a sea of distress for the primary team, which is often the unstated but underlying reason for the palliative care team consult. Likewise, there have been several strides in separating patients' identities from their illnesses, which is most evident in the shift to person-first language, that is, the person with X diagnoses, rather than, say, the alcoholic, diabetic, copd or and room Y. As the director of Columbia's narrative medicine program, Rita Sharon, puts it, in the same way that you ring Hippocrates and Osler, you now ring Sontag. This episode is brought to you by gratitude. It's not just for Thanksgiving. With proven benefits for burnout, anxiety, depression, happiness, and sleep, gratitude is a pastime for the whole year. It's easy to do, and it doesn't take long. Just jot it down and be thankful for being thankful. So remember, the best attitude is gratitude. Some thoughts on metaphors. In a sequel essay of sorts called AIDS and Its Metaphors that was published 12 years after Illness's Metaphor, Sontag explains, quote, By metaphor, I meant nothing more or less than the earliest and most succinct definition I know, which is Aristotle's in his Poetics. Metaphor, Aristotle wrote, consists in giving the thing a name that belongs to something else. Throughout her essay, she often uses myth interchangeably with metaphor. The two paragraphs of the preface develop an extended metaphor of illness and wellness as two separate countries. Her exquisite word choice builds a towering sense of nationality. We hear citizenship, kingdom, passport, identify, immigrate, geography, stereotypes, national character, residence, unprejudiced, landscaped, and liberation. This metaphor has many relevancies for the preceding essay. First, the aspect of dual citizenship conveys the separate states of disease and health, and that the human experience belongs equally to both. Next, the stereotypes of national character gives us a concrete idea of the fallacies of metaphors of illness. I can easily conjure up a smoking French snob right next to an overbearingly precise German, next to the loud and large U.S. idiot. While the metaphors of illness don't appear so readily. Additionally, nationality holds a strong sense of identity, which, for better or worse, is also a tendency of illness. Finally, at least according to Western democratic ideas, the prejudice of stereotypes carries implicit judgment, or transfers to the myths of illness. And by this connection, Sontag elevates her criticism of these metaphors to the patriotic act of liberation. The kingdom metaphor, however, is not the only or even the first metaphor of the essay. Instead, a night-day image bookends the preface. It starts, illness is the night side of life, and concludes, it is towards the elucidation of those metaphors that I dedicate this inquiry. Here, too, we see the double-headed nature of wellness and illness. In both sets of metaphors, though, there is a stark binary, which is often not quite the case. In many illnesses, there is more blurring between health and disease, which is particularly true for chronic conditions. 
pills for hypertension, diabetes, hypothyroidism, etc. are daily reminders of the ailments, but people can feel completely healthy otherwise. While the kingdom metaphor has some resistance to the good-bad dichotomy that haunts the light-dark metaphor, Sontag's kingdom of health has the quote, good passport, which implies that the kingdom of the sick gives out the bad one. While sickness certainly has its discomforts, it does offer room for insights and growth that are not or only rarely available in the kingdom of health. It is not without irony that Sontag opens her essay against metaphors of illness with an intricately woven metaphor. With regards to this preface, she later wrote, to acknowledge which I prefaced the polemic against metaphors of illness I wrote 10 years ago with a brief hectic flourish of metaphor in mock exorcism of the seductiveness of metaphorical thinking. Of course, one cannot think without metaphors, but that does not mean that there aren't some metaphors we might well abstain from or try to retire. This, of course, begs the question, what are the current metaphors of illness that are due for retirement? Battle metaphors are still rather prominent, and while I'm sure they have greatly increased funding for cancer research in particular, I wonder about the net benefit at an individual level. Does it lift more patients through aggressive therapies that eventually lead to benefits for what matters most in their lives? Or do more patients feel compelled to continue therapies that ultimately have little, if any, benefits with significant impact on quality of life? Illness as punishment is also a persistent metaphor, particularly for obesity and substance use disorders. This is despite growing evidence of of the extensive degree of the social determinants of health in propagating these conditions, as well as the neurologic and hormonal changes that drop biological anchors. This lingering metaphor likely plays a role in the reimbursement, or rather lack of reimbursement, for weight loss medications Illness as Metaphor by Susan Sontag Illness is the night side of life, a more onerous citizenship. Everyone who is born holds dual citizenship, in the kingdom of the well and in the kingdom of the sick. Although we all prefer to use only the good passport, sooner or later, each of us is obliged, at least for a spell, to identify ourselves as citizens of that other place. I want to describe not what it is really like to immigrate to the kingdom of the ill and live there, but the punitive or sentimental fantasies concocted about that situation, not real geography, but stereotypes of national character. My subject is not physical illness itself, but the uses of illness as a figure or metaphor. My point is that illness is not a metaphor, and that the most truthful way of regarding illness and the healthiest way of being ill, is one most purified of, most resistant to, metaphorical thinking. Yet, it is hardly possible to take up one's residence in the kingdom of the ill, unprejudiced by the lurid metaphors with which it has been landscaped. It is towards an elucidation of those metaphors, and a liberation from them, that I dedicate this inquiry.
Illness as Metaphor by Susan Sontag was published in 1977. You can find show notes for this episode at anauscultation.wordpress.com, and you can send comments, suggestions, and questions to the Twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com. Auscultation is produced and recorded on the ancestral home of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.